Well, good morning, Hope Covenant. Well, um, if you've been with us, uh, following Easter, we decided we were going to do a series of messages, and what we're going to do is continue telling the story of Jesus. We already know that he was born, that he lived, he died on a cross, he rose from the dead, and so now what? Uh, what happens next? And if you haven't been with us, what we... Uh, I'll just catch you up on the story that we're at um, on Easter. We looked about how Jesus rose from the dead. And then last week, we looked at him appearing to Mary Magdalene um, on the first day, right? The first person he appeared to was this woman, Mary Magdalene. And we talked about why that was significant. And then in the evening, so that was morning, in the evening, we see that Jesus finally shows up uh, and visits his disciples. And we talked about why that is um, how part of why they actually believed, like this really happened because they actually did see him. Um, that's why they were convinced, and we talked through that a bit. So we know what he did in the morning. We know what he did in the evening of Easter Day, the first Easter. But I mentioned last week there's a story, if we flip over to Luke, um, that tells us what happened in the afternoon. Uh, and so it's right in between those, and I said we'd come back to this. Uh, and by the way, real quickly here, Luke um, the book of Luke is really interesting because what he's going to do in this story is something he does in other places in his book where he only names one of the two disciples. There's another person in the story that he leaves uh, without a name. And there's lots of guesses and conjecture to why he does that. But some theologians believe that he leaves an unnamed disciple of these two characters we're about to visit here. Um, he leaves one unnamed so that we can imagine ourselves as that unnamed disciple. We can insert our name in there and just find ourselves in the story. So I want you to enter in this morning to this story and maybe even imagine that you are that other unnamed disciple who's about to be walking a road that we're going to read about. So check out Luke 24, verse 13 says, Now that same day, and this is Resurrection Sunday, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So quick side note here, uh, leaving Jerusalem for Emmaus would also be kind of a fairly steep downhill hike for seven miles, right? This is going to take a while. It's a long journey, but they're leaving Jerusalem where the other disciples are kind of huddled up and gathered, but they don't know what to do. So they're going probably home here, right? Verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So what had happened is Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And then today, Sunday, they would maybe have heard rumors of a resurrection, but there was no way to really verify that. There was no Twitter, no, you know, 24-hour news channels. It was just kind of word of mouth. And so they'd heard stuff, but they didn't know. Verse, thir uh, verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, Why are you discuss what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. So I just I have to pause right there. This is something here. In, it says it, it keeps them from knowing who he is, right? Got that? Like Jesus is maybe, I don't know, in disguise somehow. But, but think about the mood of these two disciples um, they're dedicated followers of Jesus, right? They, they had spent maybe three years following Jesus. They know he's the Messiah, but then suddenly he's dead. 
This was something they couldn't fathom would happen. And it had been the third day since their world was turned upside down. Jesus was gone. And gone also was the hope of a free Israel. Their nation was still going to be captive. And they are brokenhearted. They are devastated. They need hope. Maybe even a little encouragement. But what does Jesus do? I mean, we look at this scene. (laughs) Jesus, to these saddened disciples, he just kind of casually enters the scene. He feigns complete and total ignorance. What you talking about, guys, right? And they essentially answer him, dude, are you nuts? Everyone, everyone knows about the things that have happened. You know, today we might say, hey, did you just like crawl out of a cave or out from under a rock? And Jesus would be like, well, actually, a matter of fact, um, They say, everybody, right? Everybody knows these things, the things that just happened. And Jesus, I can presumably see a straight face on him. He shrugs and casually asks, what things? (laughs) I just, it's like, wait a minute, Jesus. What things? Seriously, Jesus? What things? I mean, if anybody knows what things, it's Jesus, right? (laughs) So let's continue this story. Verse 19 again. What things? Jesus asked. They replied, about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed and in the presence of God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. I mean, just pause right there. Do you hear their sadness? But we had hoped, we had hoped And their hopes had been dashed. They were devastated. And I think this is a phrase that we can connect with, isn't it? But we we had hoped. See, indeed, they had gotten their hopes up. And it was bad enough that Jesus had been crucified. The real pain was they had actually believed. They had hoped in Jesus, and now he's gone. I mean, think about this. Like, Like, how often have you heard or even thought or said a similar phrase, right? We had hoped. We had hoped that that the doctor would release him. I hoped that rehab would work this time. I had hoped to pass the exam. I had hoped that the job was in the bag. We had hoped that the surgery would get all of the tumor. I I hoped we could work things out. See, we have hopes, don't we? And those words we had hoped are, are shaded in dif- disappointment. We all have our version of them, don't we? What we wanted didn't come, and what came we didn't want. And the result, when that happens, is shattered hope. And when our hope is shattered, it feels like the foundation of our world begins to quake a little bit. And when that happens, in our disappointment, we, we trudge down the road to our own Emmaus, We're dragging our sandals in the dust, our heads down, wondering what we did to deserve this. And too often, so often, we somehow believe that because because whatever disappointment that happened was somehow a part of God's plan, which is a lie, but we think it's somehow God's doing. God did this. Well, this is just a part of his plan. And we wonder what kind of God would let something like this happen. But a reminder, for us, the same as for the disciples on the road to Emmaus, friends, there is always more going on. 
There's always more happening than we can see. God is near. God is always near. And as the psalm says, God is particularly near to the brokenhearted. And yet, Max Lucado says, so tear-filled are our eyes and so limited is our perspective that God could be the fellow walking next to us and we wouldn't know it. So, back to the story. They continue, these disciples, telling their traveling companion more of the story. Verse 21, they say to him, and what's more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They, they came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Now, before we keep reading here, I just want to stop. And for a minute, let's imagine and wonder about Jesus. Like, how is he probably feeling on Easter day, right? How is he feeling even right now? Like, I kind of wonder, maybe he's sort of messing with these two a little bit, right? He's just kind of messing with them, sort of amused uh, at what's happening, amused hearing the news, amused seeing these people that he was spent all this time with, right? Just a few hours ago, Jesus himself walked out of a grave, and he had the keys of hell in one hand and the redemption of all mankind in the other hand. And at the cross and the resurrection, sin is defeated. And so Jesus, right? He, what he came to do here on earth, to ransom humankind, to show us the true face of God, to invite us to follow him, all that he wanted to do on earth, everything he came to accomplish was done. He said, it is finished but now he's alive and well. So just imagine Jesus here, right? He's got to be feeling, you know, pretty good, right? Wouldn't you say? It's probably a pretty highlight day, <laughs> kind of a wonderful day. Seriously, like if you had just won the greatest victory in history, how would you be feeling? Just give me a few words. How would you feel? Happy, great, wonderful. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Like it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. Would it be safe to imagine in this story, picturing Jesus, that he's probably kind of like cheerful? Like maybe he's excited. Maybe Jesus is actually like overjoyed, as happy as anyone has ever been. Like, and if it was me and I felt all that, I couldn't contain myself. I'd be like, hey, look, it's me. I'm alive. Everything's good. Let's go celebrate and tell the world the good news. But interesting how Jesus conducts himself here. Uh, as John Eldridge describes it, it's like Jesus puts on a wig and a uh, Groucho Marx nose, right? He just disguises himself and just kind of smirking, smiling. And then he regales them with these passages from the Old Testament. Verse 25, he said to them, Jesus said, how foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer all these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the, all the scriptures concerning himself. I mean, this is amazing stuff here, right? These guys mention, well, there's a resurrection, but we don't think it's possible. And their new traveling buddy, Jesus here, says, how foolish you are, which isn't exactly, you know, tactful. <laughs> Welcome introduction right here. Um, and actually, the Greek can also be translated, instead of how foolish, you can say how dull you are, which isn't a strong insult, but it's not a compliment either, is it, right? So 
There's Jesus, he's rabbi in disguise, and he kicks into teacher mode, and he walks them through the whole deal, right? It's a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. There's time for a really good in-depth teaching. He, He teaches them, like basically an Old Testament Bible study. He walks them through all the ways that the scriptures had been referring to him all along. The prophecies um, saying that he was coming as a Messiah, why he came, why he had to die, why he would then rise from the dead. And then in verse 28, this gets even stranger, right? Here goes the story. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us, it's getting late. Eh, So he went home with them, and as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, (laughs) and at that moment, he disappeared Verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And again, just pause and recap, look at that section there. It's, it's like Jesus is saying here, hey boys, well, I gotta keep going. Sorry about your loss. Sounds like it was really rough. I uh, hope to see you on the road sometime. So long, fellas, right? This is priceless. Jesus has to be enjoying this moment so much here. The disciples actually beg him to stay. And so he's like, all right, fine, I'll stay, you know. He does, and then it says he breaks bread with them. Doesn't that sound a little like communion? And when he does that, they realize who he is. He allows them to see it is him, and then suddenly, poof, he's gone. Like, what? Does anybody else read this and go, what? Seriously, what in the world? Like, what do we make of this story? Well, I think there's a few things going on here, and I'll get to the bigger ones in a moment, but I can't let this story fly by without just even noticing how peculiar and funny this story is, right? And I think it tells us something about the personality of Jesus, of what he's actually like, what his personality is like. I mean, maybe it's this simple, like, Jesus is playful, Right? Like, seriously, I could stop right there and finish the message and just look at that. That would give us plenty to think through that Jesus, what? He's playful? Yeah. Jesus is playful. Now, listen, he's human, and so he has so many aspects to his, his, his character. Uh, and sometimes Jesus is. You read the stories, he's very serious. Sometimes he gets irritated. Sometimes he's mysterious. Like, what is he talking about? Other times he's really fierce in his intention and his mission and his focus, very intense. But he's compassionate, he's kind, he's, he, he's thoughtful, he's generous, and he has always love. And I think he's also very playful. Now this, just this little tidbit here, it just makes me glad to remember this about the personality of Jesus. Because for me, it reminds me, oh yes, when I talk to him, when I, when I, when I listen for what he has to say, I have to remember like, yeah, he was human and so he's relatable. He's not scowling and irritated all the time. He, he's, sometimes he's playful. And people... Sometimes would say, well, that's not very reverent, right? Because some people think that reverence means, you know, stern, stiff, and crabby. And I actually think that says way more about them than it does about Jesus, okay? So Jesus is none of that. He's none of that. So that's just kind of a side thing. The second of the three things that I really notice about this is it was like Jesus kind of snuck up on him. 
He surprised them. The text says somehow they were kept from knowing it was him. And we can assume that it was God that did that, right? So what kept them from knowing it was him? Were they just so distraught that they couldn't see? They were so focused on their pain that they couldn't look up and see it was him? Maybe. Or did Jesus play one of these holy magic tricks, you know? Maybe, maybe. He could have, right? He's God, he could have. Or I wonder if maybe he had never spoken to them this way before, so that didn't even click for them, the fact to alert them that this was Jesus. He hadn't talked to them. This was a new way. You know, one of the reasons that I think, if you read through the end of the Gospels that talk about the resurrection, that Jesus makes these kind of seemingly random appearances, like poof, he pops in, and then poof, he's gone again, right? He's just... I kind of wonder if he wasn't preparing his followers for life now with the Holy Spirit. I mean, for three years, they had had Jesus physically right there with them. And he once, more than once, told them it's going to change soon, that I'm going to go away and so that the comforter, so that the Holy Spirit can come, who will be with you always. And the Holy Spirit could be everywhere with all of us. He said the Holy Spirit will come and live in you, so it's not based on me having to physically be here all the time. But whatever it was, um, when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit was going to come, it was a shift in their expectations for sure, wasn't it? Because they just couldn't imagine. Well, Jesus, he's, what's going to happen? He's, he's going to what? The Holy, well, they didn't understand what this meant. So this was, I wonder if this was some preparation, right? So on the road to Emmaus, because of their expectations, it didn't really line up with what they thought, what they expected. It didn't line up with what they had already understood, what their experience had been to this point. But after this encounter with Jesus, after they saw him and poof, he disappears, they stopped and they realized, oh, our hearts burned, didn't they? Our hearts were burning within us. And as I was studying and praying and going through preparation for this this week, I wondered, friends, I, I think that this aspect of our hearts burning and even the different expectations, I think it becomes crucial for us as a people here at Hope as we continue to move more into what God has for us as a people here at Hope, as we move into what he leads us deeper into. Like, I think that we need to pay attention to that. Maybe it's a burning sensation or, or whatever it is that helps us know that it's really God speaking to us. We need to pay attention to and sense how it is God might be speaking because it might be different than what we've been used to. And it might be new categories for some of us. Because sometimes maybe our hearts, when God speaks or moves, maybe our hearts may burn or, or, or we'll realize like that it is Jesus. Wow, that is Jesus speaking to us, even while maybe our thoughts are telling us, wait a minute, that doesn't fit with how I thought God speaks to us, right? God's never spoke to me that way before. I thought that stuff was for those, you know, crazy Christians. So I just wonder, like, as I read this story and kind of entered into it, I wonder if God would even ask us, can I show up to you? Can I even appear to you as someone that you might not recognize at first? Can I speak to you in some new ways? And if God asked us that, what, what would we each say? We, um, in January, went to Denver um, 
some of our staff for the Evangelical Covenants Annual or Midwinter Conference and, and um, our new president of our denomination of the Evangelical Covenant, uh, John Wenrick, he spoke and, and it was really um, amazing because it's his first time, he's new president, and he led with talking about things that I looked around the room at first wondering, am I in the right room? This, this, is, this is different than what I've heard before, but he talked about how he and, and our leadership in the denomination are convinced that God is leading us deeper as a people into the ways of the Holy Spirit, and just encouraging us to be open. And so even just part of reading this story, I thought, I wonder if this is one of the ways God's calling us to be open to help us to know God more deeply. Now, many of us here, right, we want to know God more deeply. But I even wonder within that, like, does the more have to look like more of what we already know? Or can God come to us in a different way? And hear me, I am not talking about something that would be anti-biblical. I'm not talking about something that would not line up with what the scripture teaches. I'm just wondering about my own comfort zones, right? What if he surprises us in some ways? Would we want it? Would I want it? And I'm wondering, just if the Holy Spirit begins to show up, how about, actually, let's say it this way, when the Holy Spirit begins to show up in new ways for some of us, how will we respond? See, Jesus wants to walk with you and to speak to you. And the question I see in this road to Emmaus story is, is he speaking to us and we don't hear him? He's speaking, but we don't hear him. Is he speaking and we miss it because he's speaking in a different way than we're used to hearing him speak? Like, is he speaking in a way that's different than I'm looking for him to speak? Or is he using a new category to stretch and grow us? These are just questions for us to sit in and allow to be there. And, and again, we want to follow scripture. We're not trying to be odd or weird. Or, or We just want to walk with Jesus. Will I trust him? Will I trust him? These are scary questions for me to ask, by the way, as well. So when we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Let's just be open and see what he does. Now let's move to the last part of the story here. This is where the rest of the message will be at here. So, remember what happens. Jesus blesses the bread. He breaks it, right? They sit down to eat. He breaks it. He gives it to them. Suddenly, their eyes are open. They recognize him. And then at that moment, right, he, boof, disappears. Verse 32, again, we'll read this. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. What a wild response. I mean, this is, remember, a seven-mile hike back to Jerusalem. Now it's uphill, and now it's in the dark, but they are so blown away by what happened that they can't help themselves. They go back, and it says next, they, there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He's really risen. Now, again, look back at this part here. Um, Jesus meets with them. It says, remember here, that they were kept from recognizing him. And I wonder, I wonder if he was speaking and they just didn't know that it was him. They just didn't recognize or discern that it was, it was his voice. And I look back here at verse 31 and 32. But then suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn with us? Burn within us. 
as he talked on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And I look at that part of the story and I go, well, what's going on here, right? What's going on? They recognize something, so what's happening here? Well, listen, here, as followers of Jesus, and they'd been following him for a while, I imagine that his words would have a certain impact on the hearts of his followers, like something would happen inside of them before, while Jesus was here and while they were doing life with him, and he would speak, and something would happen in their hearts. Maybe their hearts would burn right then. when They would hear him speak, and something would happen. John Ortberg, he says it like this. When Jesus spoke... Their hearts were filled with love for God. When Jesus spoke, they saw sin for the folly and stupidity and emptiness that it really was. When Jesus spoke, they were reminded that servanthood really is the true path to greatness. It really is the best way because his words were always consistent with scripture and always so wise. He goes on and says, when Jesus spoke, he touched their best longings for everything good. When Jesus spoke, he made their hearts burn. They must have talked a lot about what Dallas Willard calls Jesus' heartburn, right? See, nobody else's words had that effect on them. He speaks, and they go, oh, we, we, how did we not know? It affected our hearts. They burned within us. Oh, we could have known it was him the whole time if we were paying attention. See, and it's the way of the burning heart to be paying attention Because Jesus had that impact, right? He spoke to his disciples, and he had that impact on them. And he still has that impact on his disciples, you and me, when he speaks to us. We'll look in a few weeks here when Jesus finally did ascend to heaven. And essentially, he said to his friends before he left, I'll I'll be with you always. I'm going to be with you always to the end of the age. You're not going to see me, but I'll be there with you. You'll talk to me, and I will speak with you through the Holy Spirit who will come. And you'll know. You'll know. I wonder if he said you'll know by that burning in your heart because of the impact that my words, my thoughts will have on a human life. That's what Jesus assured us of. So I want to pause teaching sermon mode here. I want to jump into real life. And what I want to ask everybody in this room here to do is to make a commitment this morning. I want us to say tomorrow and the next day, all week long, that our prayer is going to be this. God, speak to me. I am listening. That we would try this on. Just try it on for the week. Keep going with it if if you want. Um, God, speak to me. Let's just read it out loud. God, speak to me. I am listening. One more time. God, speak to me. I am listening. See, we believe here at Hope, we say that God moves that lives change, and that love acts. And I believe that that, that we will see more of God moving, more of lives changing, more of love acting as we continue to pray this prayer and obediently follow him into this. Now, this is not as easy as just praying the prayer. Uh, There's some ways that we need to arrange our life in order to be able to hear then what God might speak when we listen, right? One thing that's difficult for me is that to really listen, we have to be still. Like we have to settle down, right? We're going to have to actually get quiet and pause and be still. Not for hours on end, but just even for a few minutes, which is hard. Like I'm textbook ADD, so this is hard stuff for me. And I feel like I'm really learning and growing, and it's very slow progress. And I'm so glad that God has tons of grace for me, for me to keep learning and growing 
as I try to get quiet in his presence, and sometimes I do well and sometimes I don't, he's never shaming me. He's never mad at me. He's always delighted. This is not a guilt thing. This is not a guilt thing. But I want us to remember, like, friends, God is speaking to us. Jesus wants to speak to us. And our life can be so noisy that it can be really hard for us to hear when he is speaking. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is to play along with me for, you know, a few moments here. Um, And I want to do a little demonstration. I heard another preacher do something similar, so I messed with it. So I won't even name their name because they'd probably be like, that's not what I meant. So um, I'm going to need a couple of volunteers to help me with this demonstration. All right, I see Shannon back there. Come on. And how about Brandon, Brandon Hot? Yeah, come on. All right, look at you. You guys are willing. These guys were the only ones like, let's give them a hand. Thank you. We're going to have you guys stand up here and here. We'll put you here. We'll put you here. Can we get the house lights up just a little bit so we can see them? All right, so um, what we're going to do is, Shannon, you are going to be like just kind of the person here at Hope. You're going to represent sort of the, the regular person here. I was going to say the average person here at Hope, but we don't have any average people here, right? So um, here we go. I'm going to write really big. Here, you do this, right? You're gifted, right? You just write your name really big. You've got a name tag for her here. So go ahead and write that on there. And what we're going to do is you're going to be the person that's trying to hear from God through all the noise, through all the noise. So I'll give that to you. Um, And then uh, Brandon here um, is going to be the Holy Spirit. So we've got a name tag for you as well. It says, hello, my name is Holy Spirit. There we go. There you go. All right, friends, right there. Hey, don't worry, bud. You're not going to get struck by lightning. I'm still going to stand over here, but it's just a demonstration, okay? Like you guys have wondered what the Holy Spirit looks like before, haven't you? Huh? <laughs> keep wondering, keep wondering. So, All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, holy, <clears throat> I have this for you. It's a little script. You're not going to read it out loud yet. And um, that's what you're going to be saying, so you can kind of cheat ahead and read a little bit. And then uh, everybody else here in the room, I'm going to give you a job as well. Now, we have to remember this. Again, the idea here is for us to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, it requires a little bit of stillness, maybe some quiet. And one of the problems, like I said, is that there's all these other voices that come at us and keep us from hearing the Spirit, from hearing what God is saying to us. So I'm going to have Brandon read a message here, the Holy Spirit, Brandon, read a message to Shannon. But the first time through, here's what we're going to do. This is a, Everybody's involved in this, right? Um, I want you guys to represent the voices that come at us from the outside, you know, the inside at all times, those constant voices that just demand our attention, okay? So, um, and I'm going to give you this, but you don't have to read it yet. Uh, Over here, let's see, who looks the most anxious? Yeah, we're going to, yeah, you, right? We're going to put this group over here. You are anxiety, okay? You guys are going to represent anxiety. We're going to add those back tables to you. You guys are all anxiety. In fact, there's so many people in the middle that if you are at the back middle tables, you are also anxiety, okay? Anxiety. What I want you guys to say is, I'm so worried, I'm so worried, I'm so worried. You just keep saying it over and over. And then you can just do this with your hands, okay? I'm so worried. Come on, let's practice, right? Everybody play along. I'm so worried. Loudly. Loudly. 
Is that all the worry you have? Okay, wonderful, wonderful, good. Okay, now the middle group here, just the middle chairs, just the middle chairs, you guys are gonna be the voice of anger. So what I want you guys, you guys do look angry. So what I want you to do is clench your fists, right? And you go, no, 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 right? Just one is fine. No, 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 come on. Yeah, okay, and you're going to keep doing that over and over until we have you stop in just a minute here. And this far side here, you guys are going to be shame. Far side and that back table's there. You guys are shame. I don't know. Just play along, right? And what I want you to do on the shame side is I want you to put your finger out and say, worthless, worthless, worthless. Just over ready to try it out. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we all need therapy is what we need here. Yeah. Okay. So when I give the signal in just a moment, all of you are going to keep doing that over and over, and, and, and you're going to talk out loud. And while that's happening, the Holy Spirit here, you're going to read that message just one time. Just you're going to read that in with all of that happening. And then when, uh, you know what, I'll give you the signal. I'll give you the power. When I give you the signal, then you do this to silence them. Okay, you guys all have to, when Shannon, let's, let's just do it real quick. Show them the, your, okay. When she does that, you guys all are silent, and at that moment, not a sound, you know, not a shuffle, not a cough, not a cell phone, nothing, just silence, okay? You guys are really bright, so are you all ready here? You all know what you're supposed to say? You know what you're supposed to say, right? Okay, on your mark, get set. Oh, and you have to read this. I'm so worried, I'm so angry, I'm so afraid. You have to read that loudly and look out that way, okay? While they're doing it, ready? Everybody? On your mark, get set, go. Give him the sign. Okay, now, Janet, while all that noise was going on, how easy was it for you to hear, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you? <laughs> Not at all, right? Not at all. Now, this time, everybody be absolutely still, silent, and um, what I'm going to ask you to do is to pray, uh, God, speak to me, I am listening, right? So, you, you just say that, and then I want you to lock eyes with the Holy Spirit, and then everybody just kind of carefully watch here, Ready? something for you to do. Your friend, Dennis, is hurting and discouraged. I'd like you to go see him and give him some hopeful words. Was everybody able to hear it that time? Amazing. All right, you both can go have a seat. Thank you very much for helping. See, he spoke no louder that time, right? But we could hear because God speaks in that still, small voice. In the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, um, God wanted to speak to him, one of his own prophets, and he could have just, boom, done it right there, but what he does is he has Elijah go out to a mountain, and there's all this noisy activity, right? There's a wind that's so strong that it shattered mountains and rocks, and then there's a great fire, there's a great earthquake, but when God finally spoke, 
he did so in a still, small voice. And usually that's what the Holy Spirit does. Very rarely will the Holy Spirit, you know, shout to get somebody's attention. He'll speak just like Brandon was speaking the first time. But if we don't learn to quiet all the voices that come at us from the outside, from the media, from TV, from work, and we quiet the voices from the inside, voices of shame and fear and anger, we're just not going to hear. So hope, hope family, I'm asking us this week to tune in, to tune in and pray, God speak to me, I'm listening. And so I just want to give you kind of a one, one way. There's many ways to do this. But here's just kind of a concrete example of how this works, and then we'll, be, uh, we'll do a closing song and be done. Um, now, for many of you, um, it's true for me, but many of you in the room that follow Jesus, we do. We place a high priority on spending time with God every day, and lots of people do that in the morning. Um, my wife, Heidi, she's really amazing at this. She gets up, heads downstairs, um, gets her coffee going, and then she gets on the couch, same place, and, and spends time with Jesus. Now, she's been only been a follower of Jesus since she was how old? 33? 34, 34, so she got a late start. I've been at this all my life, so I'm still way ahead of her, right? So I just stay upstairs and sleep. <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Actually, I do stay upstairs because she does get up earlier than me, and I really admire her for that because she doesn't do it out of duty or obligation. She just loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. She loves her time with Jesus. It's inspiring for me to watch because I used to do that stuff out of guilt or shame or manipulation or should but she just loves Jesus, so it's inspiring. It's an invitation to me to watch her do it. Now, when I finally do, you know, drag myself out of bed, I try to leave enough time for me to spend some time with God. Um, I don't drink coffee, so I have to, like, take a shower to get my brain unfogged first. And so basically what I do, before I even get out of bed, um, I just give God my day. Right away when I wake, I just give him my day. Before I get out of bed, I'll look at what's coming, and I'll just hand it to him. And then after I get out of the shower, I'll read scripture, usually something else that I'm tracking with. And at some time, at some point there, I I usually get quiet and I ask God if there's anything he wants me to know about, anything that he wants to speak to me about. And that quiet piece is so hard for me because I have to intentionally push away those other voices or demands because really quick, those things come up. And when I get overwhelmed or I hear those voices or pressure or shame or other stuff, it just gets hard for me to even hear or hang on to whatever God is speaking to me about. And honestly, I'm not that great at it sometimes. And it's, it's one way, again, God is just growing me. But the prayer that I'm asking you to pray is the prayer that I'm using in this season, which is simply, God, speak to me. I'm listening. Speak to me, God. I'm listening. And there will be certain times all through the day when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Like our staff, our our team here on Staff at Hope, we're learning how to do this as a staff. Uh, Sometimes we stop. We get very quiet. Um, Sometimes Shelly leads us through just some centering prayer just to get ourselves quiet before God. And we listen We get quiet, we listen. Sometimes we have a specific question, like this last week, we had a confusing thing that we just, like, how come we can't figure this out? Oh, let's pause and ask Jesus if he's saying something, and I'll tell you that story another time, but he showed up, surprised us all, and told us all pretty similar things. It was pretty, pretty cool. So there are gonna be times throughout the day when God wants to speak to you, so just just tune in, right? 
Just tune in, try to pause here and there, and just listen to what the Spirit is saying. Like, listen when you read Scripture. God, what are you saying through this Scripture, right? Listen to God when other people are talking to you. Is he trying to speak something to you through them? Just, like, tune in and listen to what the Spirit is saying at any given moment. Now, remember, what we've been talking about, what we want, what you want, is an intimate relationship with God, a relationship so what we got to learn to do is to tune in to listen. Because sometimes when we tune in, he might give us something specific that he's calling us to do. Like he did in the demonstration where he said, I want you to go and do this. And when we hear something like that, a prompting like that, we listen and we obey. I'm convinced that Mark Sullivan, this, I haven't asked him this, but I'm convinced that he does this because I will get these text messages from him at just the right time where it's an encouraging thing that I needed and God works through my brother to just like send me a text message or a voicemail. I'm convinced that that's part of what happens with Mark. Um, so sometimes he'll tell us, hey, I want you to do this. Sometimes we tune in and I think because Jesus is playful, I think he's gonna laugh with us about something that's funny that's going on, right? Other times when we tune in, Maybe he'll just do with you what he does with me. Sometimes he says, Doug, just hold your tongue. <laughs> Don't send that text message, right? Delete that email reply that was so delicious and perfectly worded that I would have told the other person exactly what I wanted to tell him and put him in their place. <sighs> and he says, nope, 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 nope. Which, by the way, he has saved me so many times from making blunders when I listen instead of hitting send. But I tune in, we tune in, right? Sometimes we tune in. He just wants to remind you that you're loved or that he's with you, that he's proud of you, that the voices of shame don't matter and that they are lies. He wants to remind you. We just tune in and listen. And a simple way to that place, God, speak to me. I am listening. That's a simple prayer. So worship team, will you come? I'm aware that maybe some of you this morning are on your own Emmaus road. Maybe you have been disappointed. You've taken off. You're heading toward a place because you're just confused. You're just running away or moving. Or you're on this road, this path that you'd gotten your hopes up about something important to you, but it didn't happen. Now you're confused or disappointed. You're wondering why everything seems to be crashing down around you. And... Maybe it's hard to see this. I know it's hard to see this when you're in the middle of feeling hurt or confused. But I just want to remind and assure you this morning, Jesus, in that place that you're in, Jesus is there, right there. He's walking beside you. He's walking beside you. And I want you to hear this. If you're in a place like that and, and you go, there is no good. God said he'd bring all things to good for those who love him according. I don't see any good, Right? Listen, if there's no good from you coming from your situation, he's not done yet. He's not done. And, and if it all seems dark and cloudy around you, <laughs> hey, 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 patience, he's still working it out because he will work all things to our good. And this isn't some kind of formula, but I believe that when we sometimes can just get calm, if we can get quiet, if we can be still, if we can tune in past all the noise and confusion, I wonder if just maybe... Maybe. He's wanting to speak to our hearts. 
And I just pray for burning hearts. I pray for hearts that experience the breakthrough of an encounter with Jesus, whether it's one that we have been familiar with before or something completely different. The kind of encounter with Jesus that helps us to see what we can't yet see. The kind of encounter with Jesus that helps us trust, to trust him instead of scrambling to be in control. The kind of encounter where no matter what we're in the middle of, we realize there is more going on than what we're confused or anxious or disappointed about. There's, okay, Jesus, I trust there's more. There's more than I can see. And I'm not saying that we deny our pain or fake it. Not at all. But even in our pain, for us to realize there is more. That no matter what, Jesus is near to the brokenhearted and he will bring comfort and peace. And in all things, all things, he is working to turn it towards our good. So again, if it's not good, he, he's going to make it good. And if it's not done, he's still working it out. He's never failed us once. He's not going to start now. And so this week, will we open our hearts no matter the circumstances or our Emmaus Road disappointments, will we be willing to pray, God, speak to me, I am listening. Will you stand with me as we pray and then sing?